Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Church's Messy podcast. We're flipping the roles a little bit Woo-hoo. because I was off this past weekend. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Yeah, I took a few days off. I got to uh, play golf with some friends and uh, went out to a wonderful uh, birthday dinner with uh, with my wife and, uh, and another couple from our church and just really had some nice kind of relaxing, rejuvenating time. And uh, I really enjoyed your message. I got to hear it long before anybody else got to hear it. You got the, uh, the, the earliest draft of it. <laughs> yeah, and even though I wasn't here in the services with the rest of our Autumn Ridge family, I I, uh, I did listen along and I enjoyed it, and I'm excited to talk about it today. Are you ready to talk about I it? I am absolutely ready to talk about it. the topic of compassion. When you had shown me all of the different topics in this He Gets Us series, you you actually were gracious enough to let me have a choice of which one I wanted. And I didn't even have to think. It was like right away, I want to talk about compassion. So tell me why, what was the draw for well, you on this subject? It was actually kind of the main point of the message. So back when I was in seminary, I remember very distinctly when the professor was talking about the Good Samaritan parable. And he was bringing out all of the ways that we see compassion modeled for us in that story. And his main point in that story was what Jesus is calling us to is compassion that actually takes action. And mm-hmm. he said a line in in that lecture. He said, someday you should go through all of scripture and prove to yourself that Jesus never felt compassion for someone and just left it there. Whenever he felt compassion for someone, he always did something about it. And for whatever reason, that stuck with me, and I never actually took the time to go and do that Bible study for myself. So when I saw compassion as an option, I thought, hmm, I'd love to talk about compassion because I'm just drawn to it naturally anyway. Yet, I've always had in the back of my mind, I want to look at the scriptures and see if that's really true. Is that something that was was uh, what Jesus did whenever he felt compassion? And sure enough, it was, and that turned into the message. So let's talk about that a, a little bit. Um, there's a point towards the end of the message. The To the hurting person, does unexpressed compassion feel compassionate. That seems to be something that's resonating with a lot of people who were yeah. in the service or who watched the message online. What are you hearing? Yeah. Yeah. A number of people have, have talked to me about that since since this weekend. And um, and I'm hearing a couple things in response to that. One of it is what I, what I don't want people to take from that is that it's a guilt trip of, hmm. you know, oh, Okay, I can feel badly for someone, but if I don't do anything about it, it's it's ineffective or it even could be hurtful to that person. And yet I do appreciate people that are taking it in the spirit of humility that I would like people to take it in, in the sense that let's go beyond just feeling something. Let's love each other in yeah. the way that they're they're experiencing a need or that they're feeling some pain because um you know, you you and I are both married. We've both had that mm-hmm. experience of, well, maybe I shouldn't put this on you, but I'll speak for myself. I know there are times when I just, I feel so much love for Steve mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about him all during the day and I have so many good intentions that, you know, when he gets home tonight, I want to, you know, just have this be a lovely evening. Yeah. And then like he walks in the door and maybe he's a little tired from work and, yeah. and I get crabby at the dog and, you know, <laughs> that whole, all of those good intentions just go out the window and he has no idea that I was thinking nice thoughts 
thoughts about them all day long because yeah. my actions that that's right. evening that's right. didn't yeah. back it up. So well, let's not be like you that. You know, I tend, I love Steve too, and I tend to act <laughs> on that. <laughs> he and I, he, he and I have been to West Africa twice together. Yes, I, love, you have. I love traveling with that guy. He's, he's, and I just love talking to him. He's, he's an awesome dude. He's a good But man. no, I get, I get what you're saying. It, it, it lays, it lays dormant. It's never, it's never expressed. Mm-hmm. And a hallmark of compassion, especially when we're looking at the life of Jesus and we're looking at the character of who God is, is it's expressed. Mm-hmm. It's not abstract. It's expressed. And there might be times when we see people and we do feel something and that's a real feeling. But whatever that real feeling is, it's not yet compassion until it's married to some sort of action. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, well said. And that doesn't mean that someone is wrong. Perhaps there's something that you actually we feel about we're not able to act on. Right? There are lots of times there are things that, especially in an information age, we know about far more mm-hmm. uh, around the world and around our communities, around around our nation. We're not necessarily able to act on everything, and yet mm-hmm. we might feel something. But it becomes compassion when it's married to okay, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And, and let's just keep in mind that we're talking specifically about mm-hmm. compassion because you can feel something for someone else and, and we still call that empathy. And empathy is still a good thing. It's a very healthy thing. It is a good thing to, to feel with with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's almost more literally compassion. Compassion being like with passion or that's with right. great yeah. emotion. Uh, but uh, but empathy is still a good thing. Sympathy is a good mm-hmm. thing. So yeah. so we're not saying that just to feel something for someone else is, is completely ineffective, that it doesn't mean anything. Thing unless you take action to do something. But sure. if we are going to demonstrate the compassion that we feel for people mm-hmm. in the same way that Jesus did, mm-hmm. we'll take it a step beyond empathy. Yeah. And I love the connection back to the back to the Old Testament. And we trace this word that's used that God used to describe himself, this kind of deep inner compassion. Mm-hmm. I mean, that just goes like it's related to the word womb. And then yeah. throughout the Old Testament. Yeah, I remember you practically were doing a, a dance down the hallway when you discovered I that. I thought it was the <laughs> coolest thing ever, because as you trace the way that this is used throughout the Old Testament, especially through the prophets, it's talking about fathers immediately moving towards their kids or mothers immediately moving towards mm-hmm. uh, their, their kids. It's it, to th- we should think about God that way. It's mm-hmm. so tempting sometimes to think about God as being fundamentally irritable or grumpy or mad at us, mm-hmm. but he is a compassionate, loving God. Yeah. Yeah. It's no, a good it's thing. It's, it's, the, the word is so interesting. I, I think you're aware of this. So mm-hmm. that the Hebrew word is this rehum, this mm-hmm. idea of it, of compassion deriving from womb. Uh, but in the New Testament, in the Greek, that uh, that Jesus would have been speaking, it's splanknon is the noun verb, or to show compassion is, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's splank splank nidzomai. Yeah. And, uh, and it's derived that we get our word spleen from that. Wow. So it's still the idea yeah. of feeling something in your gut. Yeah, deep. Yeah. yeah. Now, now a certain XP pointed out to me that uh, that one of the word definitions was saying that to feel compassion using that word is the idea of being moved within your bowels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, no, I'm not talking about that. And <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to probably won't leverage that imagery. No. <laughs> okay. So this is fascinating. We're, we might be on this road already, but every time that I'm that I'm preaching and I'm preparing a sermon, I'm agonizing over what I'm not able to say. Mm. So what is it that's sitting on the cutting room? 
bathroom floor that you just weren't able to say. Well, being like, moved within your bowels was okay. definitely one of those okay. that was yeah. on the cutting room floor. Although, but there's there is a power to the to the imagery, and I don't mean this in a crass way at all. But but uh, the the original readers of this would have understands. They, they believe emotions originated in your gut. And yeah. that kind of makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. like when you see something absolutely horrific and you get that wave of nausea oh, yeah. that comes over oh, you. Yeah. Or, you know, you, you watch someone get hurt and you just like your stomach clenches up for and, them. In some ways, it makes much more sense than the way that we locate it in the heart. In the heart, yeah. Yeah. Because you feel it in your stomach. Now yeah. you're, I mean, you feel things in your chest sometimes, but the stomach is much more. Yeah. Much more common. But what I, I really do appreciate that visceral imagery mm. of connecting with someone um, in a way, again, that just seems to take it up a notch from just feeling empathy from someone. But yeah. like my body is actually responding out mm-hmm. of concern for you and your need. All right. So here's a question that we didn't talk about ahead of time. Uh-huh. But I always feel this whenever, whenever I, I give a message, whenever I'm studying. How did this challenge you or how is it challenging you personally? Oh my goodness. Well, the whole idea about what I'm noticing in Jesus and how, you know, like I said in the message, he didn't just express like, oh, you poor thing, that's mm-hmm. awful. And mm-hmm. then go about the rest of his day. Because yeah. I do that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I genuinely can feel something for someone mm-hmm. and then shift gears and, and head to my next meeting or, or my next appointment. And, uh, and I feel deeply convicted. Mm about that. And uh, and I know a couple of people have talked to me since then also feeling that same sense of conviction because it's, it is so easy to feel something for someone but not actually do anything about it. So, so the way this has been impacting me is just trying to figure out, is there one mm-hmm. step I could take? Mm-hmm. You know, what's a little thing I could do? Instead mm-hmm. of just praying for someone, can I send them a text right afterwards and say, I just wanted you to know, I just prayed for you. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm thinking about you today. I know you're facing something today that's, that's rough. Right. Yeah. You know, just, it's not necessarily that we have to be the person who swoops in to save the day or to fix the problem or, mm-hmm. or, or even to go into radical steps to do something about it, but even just to let them know, Hey, not only do I care about you, mm-hmm. I want you to know I've been praying for you. Yeah. You know, what's a little step you can Can we take? talk about prayer a little bit more? Yeah. Because I think this is one of the areas where sometimes prayer can just be like a colloquial expression instead of an actual thing that mm-hmm. we do. Like, mm-hmm. hey, I'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's used casually, not as a actual promise. I want you to know I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will I will be. Yeah. I will be praying for you. And is that could that just be a first step? Like when we hear something, we're like, I'll be praying. No, I'm definitely gonna do it. I'm gonna stop right now. Yeah. I'm just gonna pray in the moment. I'm just gonna pr- I'm gonna take 20 seconds. I'm gonna take 60 seconds, however much time I might have available. If I added up all the things that I want to pray for, that would probably all the th- all that I would do all day. And so instead of banking it for later, just right now. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I found tremendous freedom in that. And when I get emails or I get to prayer list in front of me or somebody, tell, I'm just like, can we just pray right now? Or yeah. I'm, by my, I'm just going to pause right now. Even if I'm all by myself, I'm going to pray about it yeah. right then. Yeah. Well, I do feel a sense of, of a need for integrity 
in mm. that. If I tell someone I'm going to pray for them, I, yeah. I want to follow through yeah, sure. on it. I don't want it just to be a throwaway phrase. And uh, yeah, and so praying in the moment is a good thing. I've also, I've in fact, just yesterday, partly out of motivation from this message, I've been looking at different uh, apps on my phone and things like that, so that when I do see someone I want to pray for, I could just put it in there right away, and it sends me reminders and mm-hmm. just to help me follow through on yeah. that kind of thing. So there's a comedian who's passed away a number of years ago that I used to love, and he had this bit about how there are some conditions that we'll get mad at people for. And he was like, it, it was it was his way of constructing his comedy routine to try and encourage people to be more compassionate with people who have ailments that sometimes we put stigma on, mm-hmm. um, and like addictions, right? And he was trying to encourage people to be more... <laughs> okay, you're making me nervous. Right? So just, just hang with me. Just hang with me. And then this he's is like, going to be funny. <laughs> he's like, we don't, we don't say things like... Bob, you got lupus. I'm so mad. Like he, 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 like I'm not. I'm not being very funny right now. But in his in his bit, he he was very funny, and he put he put this all together. He's trying to. It was all about trying to get people to be more compassionate. Okay. But there's a verse that Mark records for us that makes it seem like is Jesus mad at people for mm. for being sick mm-hmm. or having an ailment? Mm-hmm. And 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 Mark. Uh, is it Mark, Mark chapter, chapter one? one? Mark chapter mm-hmm. one, verses forty through forty-five. Right. Jesus comes across this guy, and he's 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 got a paralyzed hand, and Jesus is mad at him. He's indignant at him. Yeah. What well, are we supposed mis- to do with that? It's misleading in that <laughs> sense. And uh, and for all of you small groups out there that are using the He Gets Us materials yeah. for this series, uh, this might be either if you have or you're about to encounter this, a, a little bit of a head scratcher um, because the wording that is used in this passage varies greatly depending on what Bible translation you're using. So, That's right. So what you're referring to, uh, Rick, here is uh, in Mark chapter 1, yeah, the story, this this leper comes to Jesus yeah. and he's asking, you know, if you're willing, can you heal me? And Jesus' response is in the in the NIV version, it says Jesus was indignant. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you go back to the 1984, it has the word compassion. Yeah, but, the original but the, NIV was he was moved with a compassion. But the, re, but the actual Greek word is anger. Mm-hmm. And so, so why would they say compassion versus now they're saying anger? What they're trying to capture is Jesus was moved to do something for him. He loved him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wasn't angry at the guy. Right. He's he angry would, at the brokenness of this world, of that, the, the brokenness absolutely. of the disease. In the same way that he wept over Jerusalem, in the same way that he wept before he raised Lazarus from the dead, in the same way that we hate cancer. Mm-hmm. That's it's because we love people. It's mm-hmm. actually an expression of love for the guy, not Yeah, and that's a fascinating point because yeah. like for some of us, the idea of Jesus being angry can be a little bit mm-hmm. um unsettling. And I can I can understand that. Yeah. And and so to see someone who is living with this chronic illness coming mm-hmm. to Jesus hoping for help even inhibited mm-hmm. from asking for help and to see Jesus react if you looked at it in the, in the NIV and have it be Jesus was indignant yeah. that uh, that doesn't necessarily put Jesus in a in a good light and yet that's not what it means at all in the sense of like Jesus is angry at the things that were hurting this man and what were causing him to be living as a social outcast. That's right. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So say more about that because so, I know that we yeah. were chatting about that a little bit earlier about the beauty of anger and passion. So passion and anger can feel like the same thing. Um, 
for for the one who who has it and the one who's the recipient of it or, or who's observing it and someone else. I think it's helpful to think of anger as an intense readiness to respond against something. And passion is an intense readiness to respond uh, for something. Mm-hmm. And so they can feel very, very similar and they can they can look very similar. And that's why sometimes in conversations you're like, why are you angry? You're like, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm I'm jacked up for, and mm-hmm. so sometimes it's it's sometimes it's hard to it's hard to sift out. But at many times, I think they could be two sides of the same coin. In the same way, like imagine that you you know someone who worked really really hard on uh, on something at at work, and they operated with integrity, and they put in the time, they put in the effort, and they did something wonderful. And then someone swooped in and took credit for them, and they got a promotion. And the person who you care about was kind of just left holding mm-hmm. the bag. You would be, you would, you would have compassion and, and sensitivity for that person, but you'd also be appropriately angry and upset mm-hmm. because of that injustice. Yeah, that and was what happened to them. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that's what Jesus is feeling. And I think we should be comforted by mm-hmm. that. He is not indifferent to injustice and brokenness and sin and disease mm-hmm. that we feel. And you talk about that in the message, that the things that broke Jesus's heart was the fact that there are people who are spiritually vulnerable, people who are sick, physically in need, uh, people who are disabled and outcast and emotionally distraught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite the list. It is a list, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it is. Who, who could not be comforted by that? Well, all of us find ourselves on that list mm-hmm. at some point, yeah. and to either to varying degrees or, or maybe multiple categories of those. And there is something profound to realize that not does Jesus just notice, but that his heart breaks for us mm. when we're experiencing those things. Mm. Yeah, it's it's powerful. Another another aspect of this that uh, that was on the cutting room floor, so to speak, as you pointed out before, one of the things that struck me as I was studying each of these passages is that many of these people didn't know Jesus prior to what he did for them. They didn't have a relationship with him that that went back. They, some of them didn't even have any demonstrated faith. Um, it wasn't like they were modeling good behavior. You know, these were not, it wasn't like Jesus was giving something good to someone who was doing all of the right things. You know, in many of these cases, these were strangers to Jesus. Mm. And it was just simply that he had compassion on what they were facing that drew him to act on their behalf. And I think we miss that mm. in the church often these yeah. days. You know, we have this almost uh, vending machine type attitude with God sometimes and think, well, God, I'll just be good for you or mm. pray hard enough or mm. you know maybe you'll heal me or you'll heal my loved one if I if I prove to you that I really love you and that's not at all the model that we set of Jesus here yeah yeah would it how would you feel about this turn of phrase that Jesus was a stranger to them mm. but they weren't a stranger to Jesus I love that that's absolutely true mm. yeah you can you can almost envision with some of these people like the the blind men that that called out for Jesus when they heard that he was passing on the road, that they knew of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And for him, for, for them, he was their only hope. Yeah. And that there's something beautiful there. Yeah. But but that poor widow who's just at her son's funeral procession, she doesn't know anything about Jesus, has no idea he's coming. He yeah. literally is just a stranger walking up the road who happens upon this horrible scene. And mm. and all it was was that Jesus saw her, read the situation, and his heart went out to her. And I think that's just lovely that, yeah, in both cases, Jesus knew mm-hmm. the people, but uh, but 
they didn't have to trigger his action. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Wow. You know, okay, so here's another cutting room floor aspect to this, because, you know, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And, And I started off the message trying to to lay that foundation of our God is a God who is compassionate, that that's the first way he describes himself is that he is compassionate. And so, you know, as I said, for every person that that says, well, that's a great thing, but it's hard to relate to a God who is spirit, we see the Father through the way that Jesus acted as one of us. Mm-hmm. And so when we look at these verses that demonstrate Jesus simply having compassion on people who are experiencing brokenness, mm-hmm. what a beautiful thing to realize that's how God is too, mm-hmm. that God can reach out even before we're in relationship with him to move towards us and to love us and to intervene in our life in ways that reveal himself to us. And I just, uh, I love that about God, that, that he's, God isn't transactional. Yeah. God loves because he is compassionate. I don't know if I'm you know, going out on a, on a, on a limb here, but it, as I'm listening to you talk, I think about the first person. So we're talking about the first way that God chose to describe himself to people. Mm-hmm. And I immediately go to the first person to name God. Mm. which was Hagar, Mm -hmm. and it was the God who sees me. Yeah. And she was distraught, and you see me. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And we see that in Jesus, that he sees people, and he sees people who are used to being looked over and passed over. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It's hard not to be excited about Jesus. (laughs) How can we not tell people about Jesus? How can we not do everything in our power to uh, make a big deal out of him and what would we, what wouldn't we do? And what wouldn't we give up to be able to make more space and to participate in more and more people coming to discover how good and loving and compassionate he is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's the hope for the world. Yeah. And what a privilege it is to get to play a role in telling people about Absolutely. where they can find true hope, not just something that will uh, maybe get them down the field a little bit farther, but, uh, but to find true hope in someone who actually can do something about their needs. There's something about this list that I can't, I can't stop thinking about. Okay. And I want to hear you talk about it. All right. Um, Jesus' heartbreak for the spiritually vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, right? So that came out of the two different places where Jesus saw a crowd of people and expressed mm-hmm. them as being like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. And uh, and there's even kind of a throwback reference in that to the First Peter mm-hmm. series where right. th- we saw that shepherd imagery in First Peter 5. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I think Jesus was our good shepherd, our chief shepherd, yes. is how it said in First in Peter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he's recognizing this crowd of people who don't know him, that don't have their salvation assured in him, and, and, uh, and his, his heart is aching for them because he's recognizing these people are vulnerable to being led astray by, by whatever mm-hmm. comes their way, by whether it's other religious expressions or cultural expressions or mm-hmm. things. They're going to be anchoring their lives to mm-hmm. something that can't save them. Yeah. And, uh, and I love that his response to that isn't anger or, you know, those fools, what are, what are they doing? But that he actually no responds to that with yeah. heartbreak. Mm-hmm. That that's a that's a powerful powerful thing, because um, ultimately, I mean, the, the other things on the list are important, but they're temporary. Yeah. But our spiritual vulnerability is the one that puts us at risk forever. 
Yeah. And it, it, it came first for two reasons. It came first because it came first chronologically in the list mm-hmm. of verses, but it also comes first because it's the most important. Mm. And, uh, you know, and so when Jesus wraps it up, in, at least the way that I was wrapping it up in this message with this call for us to be laborers in this harvest, mm. um, that uh, the world is ripe with people who need to know Jesus. And, uh, and it's amazing that his design from the very beginning wasn't just to to somehow out of his compassion trigger our own response for him, mm-hmm. although that, that can happen, but that the design of how he was going to act his kingdom into the world was to mm-hmm. to motivate us to be laborers, to share the good news of who he is with other people. Mm. And, uh, you know, and, and you and I have both had the pleasure of getting to to see that happen firsthand. And there's yeah. something incredible. I mean, it's like the, watching the, the birth of a child almost when mm-hmm. you see someone come to Christ for the first time. Yeah. And uh, what an amazing privilege it is that he gets us, he lets us share that joy. Oh, yeah. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that call is not for other people. Mm-hmm. It's not for just a handful of people. It's for every follower of Jesus to participate in that. Well, and I'm sure every generation has felt that way, but it's hard to picture a generation that feels more spiritually vulnerable mm-hmm. than ours now, Yeah, that we have so many competing voices in our culture. Mm-hmm. And so many, I mean, even we even have competing voices within the Christian expression of yeah. people arguing over different ways of mm-hmm. of, uh, of practicing our faith. And I, I the noise you. is just constant. I appreciate you bringing that up because when you think about this list, that Jesus' heart broke for those who were spiritually vulnerable, sick, in physical need, disabled and outcast, and emotionally distraught. There is something about every single one of these that disintegrates life, mm-hmm. that separates you from not only life as it is intended to be, but a lot of these, maybe not all of them, but a lot of these have a tendency to separate people. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had this incredible high priestly prayer for our unity, mm. not just not just for the guys who were with him, but for all who would believe through the message of the guys who were with him. So that includes, that includes us. And Jesus is just anti all expressions and implications of disunity. Yeah. His heart breaks for anything that robs people of that. We yeah. have to be united together and united in him. Well, John and, 10, 10, right? Yeah. I have come that they may have life and have life to the full. Absolutely. All of these things on this list are the things that rob yeah. us of experiencing life to the full. So to come back to what you said, I think we should grieve, just grieve anything that results in wounding people. Mm and breaking unity. Mm-hmm. It's okay to disagree. And it's 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 totally okay to say, you know, I just I see that different than you or I have trouble getting on board with that. And, and that's totally fine. All of those things are fine. But anything that wounds people, anything that gives us an excuse to tone down our love and uh, humble servitude of others, man, we just got to be like, nope, not going to do that. I'm I'm going to be with Jesus all the way. Yeah. You know, several months ago in one of the messages, you, however you said something, you brought out that we want to be looking to Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's just really stuck with me ever since you said mm-hmm. it. And, and I've been using that as a lens uh, in the way that I'm reading the Gospels mm-hmm. and saying, how can I look to what Jesus is doing this mm-hmm. so that I can be more like Jesus? And and I think this topic of compassion is a, is a good one for that. And, yeah. 
and uh, and it just makes me hungry for more. I want to look to Jesus so that we can be more like Jesus. This is this is something that I need. <laughs> I, need, I need I need to grow in this area. As I was driving in this morning, and I was thinking uh, just about about a number of things. There is this thing in me that do, that wants to go beyond agree disagree. Mm. There's this thing in me that wants to then go better worse mm. about who people are and and elevate some and 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 I just like God, this is just this an ugly sin tendency in me. It hasn't gone away yet. I look forward to it being totally gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Holy Spirit, please don't stop. Well, it seems Jesus was yeah. always playing the long game, right? Yeah. You know, he was very, very, very clear about mm-hmm. what he was about. You know, yeah. he was about doing the work of his father. He mm-hmm. was about announcing the kingdom. He was about showing people the kingdom has arrived. I I am here to yeah. give you life. Salvation is through me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he didn't get dragged down into the petty disagreements. Mm. He wasn't fighting battles. He wasn't standing in the public square debating things or, or even trying to prove to anyone that uh, that he was God. That was irrelevant. He knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> and as people yeah. encountered him, they discovered who he was too. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think if we act like him in that and we stay about, what are we supposed to be about? Yeah. And and what is our call? And our call is to be a laborer for him yeah. in this in this world. And and we can model that in the way that we're showing compassion to other people. And as we keep our eyes fixed on him, let the petty stuff fall away and let's care about the stuff that matters. I love it. I think it's a great place to end. Let the petty stuff fall away and care about and invest in the stuff that matters. Mm. Svea, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks. This was fun to, to swap seats for a, a day, but I'll be very glad to get back to the way it's supposed to be. All right. <laughs> Guys, we'll see you next episode.